Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. New Grace exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media, at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. Anybody in this room ever been standing at the base of a mountain that you didn't know how you were going to climb? Anybody ever had a set of circumstances or a situation and it just looked unscalable, unreachable, unclimbable? Oh, how wise and sovereign our God is. He knows what demand the elevation must call. He knows how treacherous the mountainside must become. I want to remind you of something in this room. Just like every devil and every demon, every wicked principality that has been assigned to you since your birth. You know, Satan's had thousands of years to calculate human behavior. So he's kind of got us figured out. He knows what buttons to push and levers to pull. He's had plenty of time to study our family tree. I need a witness this afternoon. He's watched your grandparents and he's watched your parents. And he's very familiar with your identity, personality, and DNA. It almost seems like Satan's always got our number. Like he knows exactly what kind of vice to customize to trip you up, to ensnare you, to lure you away. I, for one, am tired of giving the devil too much credit. If you ever listen to the way we talk about the devil, you would think that we attribute more power to him than God. But I have flipped through this book from cover to cover and I have found out for myself that there is no force on this earth. There is no spirit under heaven or above hell. There is no power. There is no principality. There is no persona. There is no entity. There there is no body, no angel, no man, no devil, no demon that will ever come close to the power that my God has. I wish I had a witness at 3.30. The devil may have some power, but my Bible teaches and tells me that my God, he has all power. I wish I had somebody want to go to church with me at New Grace today. If you know there is no God like our God. I'm tired of giving the devil all the credit. We have got to stop giving him a badge of honor for every unfortunate circumstance that comes our way.
pray for me that I get out of this. Satan's just having his way. What makes you think the divine hand of God didn't craft that mountain that you're trying to walk up? What makes you think that he hasn't assigned that mountaintop for your expedition, exploration? Maybe, 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 maybe God's just got your course charted out in such a way that he knows the, the, the most ideal way to get you where he wants you, to get you to who you're supposed to be and to draw you nigh to him. Something about a mountain that teaches you how to climb. I almost flipped to 2 Samuel 15 and 16 and preached on David when he left Jerusalem after there was an insurrection in the kingdom and Absalom took over the throne. And the Bible says that David, maybe I will preach on it, David and his men left Jerusalem and the Bible says that they're going through the valley and they're crossing over the book, the brook and they're going up to the base of the mountain and they're walking through this wilderness, through this valley and I was looking at the text in the parking lot. I just happened to look at it because I was looking at what song is J.J. going to sing at the end of the service. And I saw it said, sometimes it takes a mountain. And I said, man, I feel like that's what it's taken for our church. I feel like that's what it's taken for me. I feel like that's what it's taken for so many marriages and so many men and women in this room this afternoon. And I, I did. I looked at 2 Samuel 15 and 16 and I said, Lord, what, what's that look like? What? What's it look like when it takes a mountain? And if you read that story in 15, he's making his way up the mountain. It's an awful sight. <laughs> this, this, this guy that in a whole book earlier in chapter 17 of the first Samuel, he was rolling giant heads. He was ascending to the throne with oil upon his head and a crown to match. And God, it was a sight to see. Be careful about snapshot, snapshotting somebody's highlight. Don't take a picture of me in your mind's eye when I'm in the middle of preaching and think it must be nice to always have it that way. Don't take a snapshot of these people walking through the hallway. Hey, how you doing, brother? You doing good? Good to be here. There's a lot of people in the room. They might not, they might, they might not break out into a sweat while you're talking to them, and they might not have holes in their shoes, and they might not be dying of thirst and hydration, but some of these people in this room are climbing for their life. And they're trying and attempting to ascend up a mountainside that they didn't see, that they didn't plan for, and they didn't ask for. I have no problem bearing the crosses that I believe I was supposed to bear, but it's the unexpected crosses. It's the unexpected burdens, and it's the unexpected mountains. It's interesting because in 15, maybe, maybe you'll read this when you get home. Maybe you won't. In chapter 15, he's going up that mountain and he's barefoot. They're weeping. They've got their head covered in shame. And it, my, my heart really strikes 
accord with what I read with old David because he was over here and he got kicked out and sent into the wilderness for a season. As he crosses over that brook and he, he's going up the Mount of Olives, I've stood at the base of this same place, the same area that Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. Gethsemane, at the base of the Mount of Olives, it's littered with olive trees. The name of the place is called oil press. They didn't have electricity in biblical days. Newsflash, I know. But all their light ran off a lamp, a flame and a fire that burned on olive oil. And you can't get oil unless you crush the olive. Everybody wants their light to burn, but nobody ever considers the crushing that's required to get the oil. My God, I feel like preaching this thing right now. Everybody's signing up for illumination and enlightenment, but nobody calculates the crushing that'll come into your life. David's walking through that place of pressure. The very place in his life that was meant to beat him down and tear him down and push him back and put him down on his face where he would die in that valley of discouragement, depression, and disconnection from God. But if you flip the page from chapter 15 and you get over to chapter 16, the Bible says that David made it a little past the top of the hill. Boy, I turned that page and it turned something in my spirit and I, I was reminded of the Holy Ghost that there may be days and there may be nights where you feel like you can't put one foot in front of the other, but sometimes, oh, sometimes, you just gotta keep on climbing. Sometimes you gotta walk another step. You gotta live another day. You gotta go another mile. I don't know who I'm preaching to in this room, but God told me to tell you, sometimes you gotta keep on climbing, keep on walking, keep on going. I wish I had a new grace witness. Is there anybody in the room that'll help me rejoice and say I'm gonna keep on climbing? Whatever you do, don't look down now. Don't look back now. Keep on climbing. When David was a little past the top of the hill, It says, Ziba, not Zima, Ziba. 
the servant of Mephibosheth met him with some donkeys and a bunches of raisins and summer fruits and bread and it even says wine and no it wasn't Riesling you gotta understand they're making their way up this mountain and they can barely go any further but chapter 16 says when they got past the top of the hill God had scheduled a divine appointment to meet them at the pinnacle of their climb. See, the mountain ain't just about the trip up. The mountain is about the timing. Oh yeah, these points came in the parking lot. It's about the timing. Because here's what David didn't know. And here's what he couldn't see. <laughs> Woo! While he was walking up one side of the mountain, little did he know the answer to his need was walking up the other side of the mountain. I just want to stop and I want to, I want to declare in this room that the God you serve, he's not just the God of the mountain, but he's the God of both sides of the mountain. The one thing you need to remember about your God is that he sits on high and he looks down low so he don't just see this side, but our God sees that side of both sides of the mountain which means there's no circumstance or situation, no valley you're walking through, river you're crossing, or mountain you're climbing that God has not already seen. Somebody better help me clap their hands and give him praise. He's God of both sides of the mountain. Somebody said, Pastor Derek, I feel like this is the hill I'm going to die on. If this is the hill that you die on, it was divinely appointed of God for you to check out from the top. If this cancer is what kills you, if this divorce is what kills you, if this stage of crisis in your life is what calls your name and number, I wanna say this to every person in this room whose soul has been bought by the blood of Jesus and whose eternity is secure in Christ. You can't threaten a believer with heaven. If heaven is the worst thing to ever happen to you, then I say, bless God, you got one heck of a, sounds like you got a heck of a deal. Don't, don't threaten me. Don't threaten me with eternity. God brought me all the way up here to shorten the elevator ride. Sounds like a heck of a deal. How about that? They're barefoot. There's not a foot locker somewhere up the side of the mountain. They're wore out and discouraged. 
trying to remove themselves as far as they can from the source of insurrection in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that when they got to the top of the mountain, homeboy shows up with donkeys. and raisins and bread and a bottle of wine. And David said, what? What is all this? And Ziba said, I had a feeling when I got to y'all, you're gonna be so faint, weary, and worn out that you probably wouldn't be able to walk another mile. So God brought me up here to the top with a ride that would carry you the rest of your journey. Something that would get you where you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually could not go. Can I testify? My legs are tired. My back is hurting. My L, my L, five, thank you is bulging. It's a disc. It's killing me. I got holes in my shoes. and I feel like David. I'm weary and walking through that wilderness valley that nobody in this room signed up for. I'm looking at y'all and y'all ain't got no shoes on your feet. Y'all's L5s are killing you. Maybe you're fine. Maybe you're fine with the journey of the church. And I would dare to say if you're in this room and you're just absolutely fine with the church. Like you just love the whole Sunday night thing and you love the whole ain't got no place to go. And you love, can I, can, can I, can I pull up a chair and you be the therapist for a second? I'm real good at listening. I just need somebody to put the radars up for a second. I, I would assume that if you're just fine with everything the way it is, I would assume that's because you got your own pile of crud back at your house that you're trying to shovel through and figure out. And you're just glad there's somewhere you can go to worship Jesus with your church. And that's all right. Every, see, everybody's got their own mountain. Everybody in the room's climbing their own. Everybody in the room is trying to ascend up their own circumstances. And God's trying to teach you about the timing at the top. If I could encourage you with anything, then don't stop climbing. Don't look down. Because God's got divine appointment and divine provision a little past the top of the hill. Because sometimes it takes a mountain. 